Hello, everyone. Welcome to Philly Sports Now, our ongoing podcast for all Philadelphia sports-related things. And an exciting time we have here in one of our two bubbled sports. We will definitely be talking about the one that's been doing exceedingly well, and then another one that was exceedingly disappointing. Uh, I am here today with Nick and Andrew. Um, guys, how are you doing? Uh, I, I will preface this by saying we literally just watched the Sixers lose their fourth game in the NBA playoffs, officially eliminating them. They were, in fact, swept. Um, Andrew's making a face, so we're gonna start with Andrew because we gotta we gotta get rolling here with with how 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 I again I I think emotions gotta be high right now. I know mine are. Yeah, it, it was very disappointing to see. I, I expected a lot more out of him. Uh, I know, understand Simmons was out. I just it was disappointing. Uh, I thought theoretically they should have been at least up two one going into the game today before uh, this game. And honestly, before the Harris injury, you were in a good spot to win that game as well. So theoretically, even without Simmons, you were you were in position to, to come out of these four games up 3-1. And uh, you, you just couldn't close out games. And it's it's been the same thing for multiple years. So I think I think it's, it's this is where you're going to see an offseason of a lot of changes. But it's I'm I'm interested to see where they go from here and, and what happens with this organization in the next coming Days or even within hours, because I think there's going to be a lot of moves here. Uh, but in this series overall, just very, very disappointing. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this series was, uh, I I didn't, once the news came out that Ben Simmons was injured, I did not expect the Sixers to make it out of the first round. Uh, however, I did not anticipate them to get swept so easily. I mean, they went down with, like, no fight at all. I mean, I think outside of Tobias Harris coming back, today after getting stitches and after a hit to the floor that I, you know, still think he probably should have went to the hospital at least to get checked out and evaluated first before returning. But, you know, he came back and showed that, you know, he wanted to play. But, and, you know, of course, um, you know, of course Embiid played, you know, outstanding the whole series. But outside of Embiid, I mean, this team was like a no-show. I mean, a complete no-show. I think, you know, I think, you know, the uh, the experiment has failed. This team cannot play quote-unquote bully ball you know they are not uh what was the term used by the the front office and brett bound playoff built for the playoffs you know you said it perfect bully bully ball basketball yeah well yeah and then they also said built for the playoffs this team's built built, built for the playoffs yeah i mean i think that all is completely you know it's failed uh and you know i think there's a lot of blame to go around and i think everyone kind of deserves a piece of it and um you know to me to me, this kind of, you know, I know nobody wants to talk about the process anymore, but this to me is like just icing on the cake that the process was an epic fail. And like the whole thing was a fail. And, and this, this like idea that the Sixers were like, I mean, we were fed lies for five years about how the Sixers were basically outsmarting everyone, put together this outstanding team, and we're going to be contenders for the foreseeable future. And it's just completely wrong at this point. I mean, this team is so backwards like that now we are taking steps back like now we can't even get to where we were like after the process so now we're going back we're already regressing i I have to say i I disagree i disagree hold on hold on because i i agree because i i think one of the funny things is you know andrew's got away his turn because he's he's gonna of course show me up with facts and things like that i don't have but uh I think as a more casual fan like me, a more uh, definitely a more casual Sixers fan, um, I, I was talking to my parents this morning, our parents this morning, and uh, <laughs> mom made the okay, comment pal. that you know they have to they have to rebuild, and it's like I, I immediately I'm like this is a failed eight eight six or eight years of rebuilding, like like that is there there is nothing more. Uh, I, 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 I have to say, like, I agree with Nick and it was the first thing that came to my mind was, I think this sweep, this loss to the Boston Celtics, I think this is the icing on the cake, the hard pill to swallow that the, it failed. It is just, it literally, it failed. And, and um, unless you think, um, this is the general you, not 
Andrew. But hey, Andrew, tell me if this is what you think. But unless you think a new coach can round up these players and teach them fundamental basketball and how to be a team and work together, nothing's going to change. And unfortunately, our mom was right that we are going to have to start over. See, I disagree. I disagree because there's factoring in this team. You have Embiid and Simmons as your leading guy. They're 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 playing together. They'll be fine. Uh, you bring in Harris and you bring in Richardson as well. They're still very. They're still extremely good players. They'll be fine. the The front office and, and Brett Brown's going to end up being the scapegoat, and he's going to be fired probably any minute after the season. These next coming days. Uh, he'll be the scapegoat, but but in reality, the the front office and organization from top to bottom need to be called out for it. And, and it was a mistake signing Al Horford, and that's the fit that really killed this team. And that's the difference from what you saw this year to last year. Last you year, one you think that one thing is is the problem? Okay, keep going. I I really think in the starting lineup, it, it is the one problem because when when you break down this team. Last year, when teams, and you saw it in this series, when, when you had teams double-team Embiid, Embiid obviously leads open one guy, and last year you had a J.J. Redick to knock down those threes. Off the bench, you had guys uh, in the previous years, and Marco Bellinelli and uh, Ersan Eliasova, the guys that were able to knock down the three time after time, and that's what kept them in games. And last year, you, you brought in guys like Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris to mix with Redick and all that, and instead of re-signing... Butler or J.J. Redick, and if Butler didn't want to be here, that's one thing. Let him leave uh, in that sense. But instead of signing the pieces you actually needed, you went out and got – and I've seen this comparison, and I agree with it too. It's similar to the Eagles getting DeMarco Murray, which was a train wreck. They went out and signed this guy because they're stealing him from a rival who was able to, to contain and beat a little bit last year. And they, they got blocked with thinking, oh, if we take him from the rival because he played with the Celtics last year – and take that guy away from Embiid, it'll be all fine and dandy, and that'll help us get get past it. But in reality, it, it caused such a liability for this team because uh, Horford and Embiid never mixed well together. And the the reason why it's frustrating to see that is because you had that three years ago when it might have been four years ago uh, when you brought in uh, Jalil Okafor. And Okafor and Embiid couldn't play together as a 4-5. And that's the same thing you had here in, in a in a Horford and Embiid, you you can't play two centers like that on the court at the same time. I mean, it, all, it seems all fine because that's the way it used to be back in the uh, late 90s when, when it started with Tim Duncan and Robinson like that. And that's where they try to kind of uh, reiterate there. But it's just that's not the that's not the way basketball is anymore. And it just created that much of a mixed match. And I really think I'm OK with bringing back four of the five starters next year. Uh, I think you got to try to move on from Horford. Because uh, he's not the right fit, but I'm okay with bringing back everyone else next year and some of the guys off the bench and Burks. Uh, you're missing, and even in this series, you're missing a key guy off the bench and Glenn Robinson, and then obviously a starter and Ben Simmons. So you're already a little bit banged up in that sense. But uh, I'm not ready to give up on the core here until you try out another coach. I want to coach. Here, here's the thing. I, I'd like to jump in for a second. You got uh, it, Nick. So, uh, Zach, I disagree with your point that, and you know, I disagree with your point that. Um, the Sixers have to rebuild now. If I, like if I recall, I think I agreed with Nick, so I'm confused here. That's no, I, I, I did not. I did not say they have to rebuild. I well, said you can say the process, process is a failure. Fail. Like, wh- wh- where do you go from here? But see, I disagree with that statement as well. And well, here's here's why the process was 110 percent of failure. They promised that five years of losing would make them would bring together a team that makes them contenders for the foreseeable future. They're not contenders. They're not contenders right now. They're not. They weren't contenders this year. They weren't contenders last year. Like we we can call yes, them contenders because we're fans. We have, yeah, Andrew. But, we have but, three completely but, different teams but, in the past three years. Yeah, I'm sorry. They were contenders last year to maybe make it out of the East, but they're not. I, I have never not a single season started the season going. Yeah, they've got a good shot at winning the finals this year. No, it's not. I mean, it's just not true. They they have made no progress from the year that they called it quits on the team in 2012 when they had Igadala. Lou Williams, Drew Holiday, they haven't made any progress since that team. They're still getting to the same round of the playoffs that they've always had a problem with since then. And guess what? Those players on that team are good players today. So if we would have stuck with that team and built around that team, we could have had a team. I, I Instead, we trashed our franchise, built a losing, you know, 
we're the laughter of the league for five years. Still the laughter of the league. Nobody likes us, which is fine. I'm not saying I want to be liked by everybody. But, like, we've essentially become a laughing joke of the league, and we've got nothing to show for it. Meanwhile, Golden State Banks basically tanked this year. They're going to come out and be, you know, the contenders again next year. I just think that the Sixers have bombed so hard at this whole thing. And what this whole season showed me is that now the general manager can't even put together a team. So we've gone through what? Three general managers since the process, like 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 they they it it's just completely have it's just completely failed. Like since since and, and I think the other thing you have to look at though is even our like star players. People point out have a lot of problems. Like like the the thing with Embiid. Like I, I'm watching the the first half ends or as the first half is ending, and he's staying up at the three-point line. Why is Embiid staying up at the three-point line and taking that shot? That's not his shot to take. And then, you know, we all agree that with once Simmons was knocked out, you know, that was going to be an issue, and probably, you know, right away, they're probably not going to make it past the first round. But even Simmons, you know, like, people complain. Like, Simmons has his problems that, like, we thought taking him out of the point guard would change it up, and it didn't really shake it up, you know, Uh What's the new point guard? Uh, uh, Milton? Is that, yeah, Shake is that right? Shake yeah, Milton. Shake Milton. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to shake Milton's name. <laughs> I'm sure he's rolling over. Um, I was going to say rolling in his grave, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I just I think I think to go on with fundamentally, this whole <clears throat> thing is just exhausting like even our star players who we love and i i like simmons and Embiid. i really like Embiid, but you know they have their issues and without like i said fundamental problems being solved um i I don't i don't see this team going anywhere further than they go they or they have gone excuse me well Um, and sure like like they they can add players next year and they can become contenders i'm not saying that What, what i'm saying is is that you know we were kind of promised this lie of like this immediate, you know, like Sixers are going to be this awesome contending team. And not only did they botch drafting players year after year, you know, we've now got Embiid who's every year he plays, he's a year closer to the end of his career. Cause I mean, what's he got like five years left until he's probably done. And then you got Simmons now who it's almost like, are they both injury prone at this point? Cause right. Next year, you can't tell me that both of those two players are going to go through the season without an injury, without injuries, because one of them definitely is. I mean, Embiid's a guarantee almost, and Simmons now is like teeter tottering on like, is he unreliable too? You know, uh, like and and so, so my my whole point of this is that, you know, I I, I am so fed up with that with with the Sixers organization, you know, like the franchise, I and like. I, I was so sick of hearing everybody talk about how great the process was all through the process. And now here we are with nothing to show for it. Almost, what, eight years later? No, not almost. Eight years later. So we're coming up on a Andrew, decade since the process began. And we're no, we, are, we are nowhere closer to the goal where we've actually now started to regress again. I, okay, Andrew, before – Andrew, close this out because I know you're going to explain to us why you disagree. I would like to say I unfortunately do agree with Nick again. Um, Andrew, but yeah, Andrew, tell us like like so. Not only why do you think the process isn't a failure right now, but it, it, as as concisely as possible, do you think replacing Brett Brown will solve any problems for real, this team? Real quick, I think Andrew is really wishing Luke was on this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could use some backup. Yeah, I hope um, Luke gives us a hard listen because I'm sure he won't be happy. But okay, first. The easier question I'll, I'll address here is the is the Brown part. I'll, I'll do that one first. Uh, and that in that sense, I, I support Brown, and I don't think he's the I don't think he's the biggest issue. But I think it's time to move on from him because it's obviously not working in that sense right now. And it's it's been three or four years, and you can't accept the, sw- the sweep here. And, and obviously, that means something has to give. Uh, I well, again, I'm not happy with the way the GM uh, and Elton Brand constructed the roster last year. Uh, this off season, but I think I think this is another factor is I think they gave Brown too much control, and I think he had a lot of say in those moves. So I'm interested to see if he does leave, what kind of roster Brand would put together in the off season because uh, it seemed like Brown had a big decision there, letting Butler walk, and and that caused a lot of problems in that sense. So I'm okay with moving Brown. I think it solves some issues, but not everything. 
and then to address the process thing, I, I disagree in that sense because, because quickly, first off, I'll give you two names, two of the greats, LeBron James and Michael Jordan. They didn't win anything in the first eight years. Michael Jordan didn't win one playoff series in seven years. LeBron James didn't win a title till his eighth and ninth season. These guys, it takes time to come up. Like it, it takes time to develop, and you're developing two guys who came from who came from colleges, leaving freshman year. So you got it. They're young players that are going to have to develop. And Bede's only been in the league for four years. Uh, Simmons only been in the league for three seasons now. I think he's played. So these guys are going to take time. And again, this team was right there in contention last year. They lost to the the champions on a lucky shot in a game seven. Again, they, they were contenders last year. And they were contenders the year before. And, I mean, I think this would have been different with Simmons. Simmons was a big loss here. And I think they would have been, they were contenders this year if Simmons would have played. Um, so I think I think it's wrong to say that they haven't been contenders these last few years. I think the last two years, they were they were real contenders. And I think bringing back, bringing back those guys next year, they'll be contenders again next year. And, again, it takes time for these guys to, to get – I mean – and the other thing is, going off against the 12 roster, yeah, they had some good players, but they weren't going to win you anything. The only reason why Iguodala went on to win is because he played with Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. But, but, just, but just real quick before you sum it up, my point with the, with the 12 roster is these guys were young players too. Drew Holiday was only in his third year. Like They were a young, like, they were a young roster. Now Drew Holiday is only 29 years old. He's, he's averaging 20 points a game. Like, like... Andre Iguodala, yeah, he had that that help. But my point is, you could have built around those guys. Andre Iguodala is gonna go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Drew Holiday is now averaging twenty points a game. Lou Williams was the Sixth Man of the Year, I think, three times in a row, almost. Like, like those. My point is, you could have built around those core guys, and you didn't have to suck for five years. That's my only point. And I agree with with the whole analogy with MJ and stuff. Uh, that that's a good point. Like, like. It is early. I'm not disagreeing with that. But I'm worried that Embiid doesn't have the longevity in his career that Michael Jordan or LeBron James does. I don't think he's going to be able to sustain a 20-year career like those guys. Yeah, I, I think Embiid is very not only injury-prone, but just, just exhausted. Like I, I, I think you see that. I think it's hard for him to keep up. And as always, I like Andrew's optimism, and he he's the one that'll constantly. Oh yeah, get, we're we're not but, like, but we're fresh off of a sweep, Andrew. You can't expect me to come. I in know. Here. I, I, listen, I, listen, I wanted to rant too, but I'm not. It's, you're not giving. I can't give up on the core. Of this like to say to say the process is a failure and, and they're not contenders. That that's where it rubs the wrong way. I mean, I could rant about the series as well. I, I mean, th- there was plenty of other things that I could go on for a while about because. Uh, down the stretch, again, they should have won those games, and that's where I think to Zach's question about Brown, something's got to give because they haven't been able to close out games for the last three years, and I think at some point you got to look at coaching a little bit on that. And, and you saw that in Game Three when you had the lead with a minute and a half left, and then B, and that's and don't get me wrong, B played a great series, but he's got to be called out that for that too. The way he closes games is absolutely atrocious. And I mean, the, to to rush up two shots there, turn it over in, in the last three possessions of the game. Uh, game three was very bad. And to move on to something more optimistic, I think everyone feels better about. Let's talk about the Flyers, who are fresh off of their round one win um, uh, uh, against the uh, the Canadians, and now they will be playing the New York Islanders tomorrow. Am I am I right? That's yep. correct. Yep, tomorrow. So actually, it's t- the, the podcast is going to go up tomorrow. So today. Um, uh, yeah, guys, I, I mean, I'm just going to say this now. Uh, again, I think everyone knows my biggest sport that I follow is, is football, the Eagles. But um, I, I did. I have been watching the Flyers, and I watched uh, most of round one games. And, and I got to say, like, getting pretty hooked. It's getting pretty exciting. And uh, you got to love to see a winning team, I guess, is what it comes down to. <laughs> I'll let you go, Nick. This Sorry, this team is is... You know, I've been fired up, hyped about this team. I think Andrew and I talked about this team a lot, you know, before uh, play closed uh, from the pandemic. But, like, you need to get excited about the Flyers Mm because this team can go on a run. We we just came off this Canadian series, and we didn't even play well, and we were able to beat them in six games. You know, I think there's – 
what, what they showed me this, you know, this past week and, or so is that, you know, even on their worst days, they can they can get, you know, the win that they need. Also, one of the most encouraging things about this team is the Flyers have not lost back-to-back games since early January. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. That, that's unbelievable. Even, you know, pre-pandemic, I, I mean, obviously I have a huge break from the pandemic, but, you know, when did play end? You know, I, I can't remember exactly when, you know, place play paused. Yeah, that's a good stretch. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's three months without losing back-to-back games. That's crazy, you know? And, and I think, I think go, like, in, in, like, these series, um, you know, in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that's huge because you know if you're able to play like that, you're not gonna you're not gonna you know get knocked out of the series. Uh, I am worried about the Islanders matchup, uh, being that you know they ma- the Islanders play a lot like the Canadians. Like I think that they just got a lot of grit. You know they're gonna they're gonna match up well against the Flyers, and you know it's gonna be a, a really similar series to the uh, Canadians. I think. You know, people might not be expecting that because, you know, the Islanders aren't exactly a flashy name to play. You know, they're not, you're not, you know, you're not coming going up against the Capitals, which would instantly scare a lot of people, even though the Capitals haven't been playing well. And you're not going up against the Lightning yet or those guys. But, but you know, the Islanders are like the Canadians. You know, they, they, they can just come out and play well. And I expect this to be a six-game series again, something like that again. But, you know... In contrast to the Sixers, I am fired up, happy, ecstatic about the Flyers. They've already exceeded expectations for the season. You know, they they finally won their the playoff series, which was the goal of the season. Um, and, and you know, if they can win this one, get to the next round, I mean, anything's possible with this team, especially with Carter Hart in that. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, well, to start off, Grady's finally made it to Toronto, so we're sweeping them. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> um, he was exploding all over Twitter. Yeah, his his Twitter game is really funny. But um, no, I, I think Nick, you hit it spot on. Uh, Islanders play a lot like the Canadians, and that's what worries me because the Flyers. I mean, obviously they look pretty good in their first three games when they faced the uh, top of the league and the Lightning, Bruins, and um, Capitals. But like you said, the, the Flyers didn't look that good. Or I'm not wrong words. The Flyers didn't look or never played their best hockey at any point in that Canadian series. And I feel, I felt a couple of those games, if you played a better team than the Canadians, you might've lost a couple of those. So that's what worries me about this series. Cause the Islanders do play a lot like the Canadians, but I think AV is such a good coach. And like, and he just has this team rebound every time that they face some type of adversity or some, some type of loss, he gets them back out and, and plays like that. And, and that sequence where was a game, it was game five. When he was going to pull Carter Hart, and then he kind of left him in there uh, on the challenge or whatever. I I mean, as weird as that sequence ended up being, I thought that was actually a really cool sign and a really good sign from the coaching standpoint to kind of get, show him that confidence there and show him that. And that kind of – that's just an encouraging moment because not only does that help the, the goalie himself with a young mind, but it, it, to me that helps the entire team confidence-wise too because it allows them to – to see that, oh, the coach really believes in this guy. He's going to leave him in. Like, we need to, like, kind of pick up our game for him and everything. Uh, so I, I really like that sense. And one thing I really took from the back end of that series, finally in game five and six, the, the power play finally looked better. And it fi- looked like they were moving the puck finally more. And it looked like they got that going uh, in the end there. So I think that's a very encouraging sign going into this next series and something they'll continue ne- continually need to do uh, is win that special teams game in this upcoming series. You know, and I think I think the other encouraging thing about that was who was scoring on those power plays. You know, Vorchek finally, you know, got hot there at the end. Actually, was just playing phenomenal hockey as it is. Um, G was able to finally get, I think, four assists to end out the series after you know not really showing uh, much on the on the stat on you know on the stat sheets up until then. But you know, to your points, I think you know I think this whole run the Flyers is gonna are gonna go on. Uh, it, it's gonna rely on Carter Hart, honestly, uh, because. You know, there's gonna, you know, can he get, have another couple shutouts? You know, we're gonna need that. Like, like, but like, you laugh, but like, there's gonna be times the Flyers are only gonna score one goal, and so that's it. So it's up to Hart to to get to zero. Now that doesn't mean I'm knocking Hart if he gives up two goals. You know, <laughs> he, I, quite frankly, like I said, I, this team has exceeded my expectations for the season. I wanted them to win one one series in the playoffs, and and 
I think that all the hype around him is awesome. I think everything's great. I, I, I think everyone just should enjoy the Flyers ride because, you know, the Flyers are relevant again. And they're not just relevant in Philly again, which is exciting to me as, you know, I love hockey and I've missed it being like the four spot in, in Philadelphia. Um, but, but, but they're relevant in the NHL. Like they're making people are talking about them all over the NHL now. And, and that's something that hasn't really been a thing for, a while now. Um, but yeah, back to my point, you know, I think, I think it's just up to heart. Uh, you know, he's got to just continue to play, you know, outstanding goal, goaltending. You know, I'm looking at his stats. He, you know, he, he's six and two in the playoffs, you know, with a 1.7, you know, goals against average uh, per game. Now that's, that's pretty wild. And, and, and what, what stands out to me there is those six wins were incredible performances by heart. The two losses were very not good performances by heart. So, so that's where, you know, I think it's going to be interesting how this series goes. You know, I, I think the Flyers can win it. I, I'm, you know, I'm a Flyers fan, so I'm going to pick them to win it. But, you know, uh, it definitely can go the Islanders' way just because of, you know, like you were saying, they play just like the Canadians. You know, they match up great with this Flyers team. You know, defensive men, forwards, you know, everything, all aspects of the ice, they match up great. Um, I think we got the edge in goalie though, and and you know the goaltender's probably the most position important position in all of sports. So I, I think if you if you got that on your side, I, I like I said I think I think you know the sky's the limit for this Flyers team. As cliche as that is, you know like they really they really can you know make up make a playoff run here, and it's it's just exciting to watch. Finally, finally in, in Philly, uh, you know awesome hockey. I just like to add so so again. I, I, Seeing Carter Hart play, he is just like exciting to watch, right? Like, and, and and his interviews afterwards, like he's such a like good down to earth guy. Like, it's so funny. He's like what twenty two. Like this kid, this kid is like already like great at handling like the press and the public, and like he he's literally like just there to play, and he does it, and he just he shows up and he plays, and 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 it just you can see it. Like he, you can just see that he wants to be there, and that like. I, I don't know. To me, again, as a as a casual hockey person, a casual person watching hockey, like it just it it was really like neat seeing this kid like just thrive in something that that was just just something that it's a tough thing to do. No, I completely agree. I think, uh, I mean, he, he kind of he's a guy who came in and. It seems like his mindset, he's never bothered. Like, no matter what yeah. happens, he, he just has, like, a straight face on, and he's, like... Cool as a cucumber. Well, <laughs> exactly. Like, like if you think about it, like, a guy that young gives up five goals and you lose 5 nothing. like, you have to be worried about how he'll bounce back. And, like, what did he do? He bounced back with back-to-back shutouts. Like, it just it's incredible what he was able to do. And then, obviously, the 5-3 loss, too, was tough, and then he bounces back with a good 3-2 win performance. I will say, another thing that... Kind of worries me. Uh, I, uh, Nick, I, I'm interested to see what your answer would be. Would you to think about it all starting Elliot in any of the back to backs? Because that's that's where Hart struggled. He really notices in that back to back, and he kind of did in the season too. And I, I get it; it's tough. You don't want to bench. I'm not saying bench Hart, but like when you if you potential, obviously the second end of the back to back, you won't. But would you think about with the potential long series? In that game two to three back to back about benching middle or not benching him but having Elliot start. It's so and funny. Can... I was going to bring this up, uh, like that. Uh, this is exactly what I was going to talk about next. Well, I think we actually discussed this pre-pandemic, like Hart and and Moose. You know, if you if you would, you know, teeter totter on who to play each night. I think we went back and forth on that. Um, and my answer is the same as it was then. I think you got to ride hard. And, and for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think he's the reason you won last series. You know, and you, you put it all in on him and it paid off. So I don't think you should change from that ex- unless, you know, he comes out looking awful. You know, if he comes out and he's just not playing well, um, you know, I think then you got to go, Elliot. What's the back? Is it the third game's a back to back? So it's so one, game. It's game two. Game game two to three is back to back. So and we play. We go Monday. It's back to back too, right? Yeah. I'm if if sure. it's a game seven, I'm starting hard no matter what. Right. But no. um, I, I was thinking more game three. You may game three maybe just just in case of a long series or something like that. That's the only thing I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, I, just because it's so 
so for goalies sometimes it's so tough to to play that back to back. I don't know. It's hard. I I to me, I think you just got to play hard though. I, I you know because I like I said last you know I said this last time. It, to me, it's like benching Carson Wentz and putting in Nick Foles. You know, just because you know Carson Wentz is a little tired. You know, I, I think I think you got to play. The, the you know the heart and soul of your team and right now I think that's Carter Hart he's, the, he's not just the heart and soul of your team he's the best player on your team and you know to me you're instantly at a disadvantage to your roster if you're taking the best player on your team out and put him on the bench I agree all right and so now we're gonna move on to another not so great team in the moment right now which is the Philadelphia Phillies coming off of five game losing streak if I'm correct Sadly, you are correct. <laughs> and and I did know I did check up on this as well. Not only is it a five game losing streak, but every single one of those games, the Phillies gave up a lead. Um, the the Phillies are just tough to like watch. Whereas the Sixers, the Sixers, I feel like as a fan, I was getting like angry at them, like stupid, like like whatever. The Phillies are just tough. It's like you're just like disgust like ugh. and and with something we talked about off the pod that, that i hope i know we need to address is like i'm i'm getting to the point where i'm concerned about losing players because they have no faith in this team and at this point i don't blame them yeah i mean to to, to go off your stat real quick the, in the five game losing streak yes they have they were winning at some point uh in those games but to take it another step further if you go back to not their last nine losses uh, they had leads in all nine of those games, and at some oh. point, obviously, they blew them. Andrew um, making it even worse. <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm so frustrated with this. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm at the I'm at the point of explosion here. Um, it's it, it's just uh, it's frustrating to watch. You've been watching this for the last three years. Um, you've had a solid offense, and every year it's just been the bullpen that comes in and blows it, or the the pitching's just not been there. And Clentac, time after time, has never done anything about it. And again, he did nothing about it this off season. I said that in our preview one. Uh, like I wanted to pick this team to go to the playoffs in in a regular year, and you just can't with this bullpen. I mean, because the the t- the offense leads the league in uh, most runs per game, and that doesn't mean anything when you're giving up more than, more than those runs you're scoring. So, uh, luckily, um, and I, I just, there's, it's too late to fix it almost. I mean, you, you got eight days till the trade deadline. Um, but in a, in a weird odd season, you're already scrapping for the, for the top. I mean, you're already five games back. You're over a quarter of the way through the season, about to be halfway through the season and you're, you're, you're dead last in your division. So there's a lot of issues here. Luckily it's an expansion playoff year. So you have hope to still make the playoffs. You're only a game out of the game and a half out of the playoffs in that, in that sense. Uh, so there's time to make up those, but in terms of trades, I'm interested to see what Clentac does here. And, and real quick, to your point about uh, players come or why would, like players want to leave and stuff, you're you're right. At this point, you waited so long with JT. I mean, if when you you start those negotiations with JT Realmuto, what's his incentive to come back to this team? Yeah, I I agree, and, and that's extremely you know worrisome that you know we could lose JT and and you know more guys possibly from that um but yeah this this team is way more frustrating to watch than the sixers and the sixers are pretty frustrating to watch like it's not like i enjoy watching the sixers anymore (laughs) like this team you know i i've i've tuned into pretty much every single game and every single night it seems like we're gonna win and we never it seems like we never win it's like the most frustrating thing to, to watch um you know, I, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are, Andrew, on um, the moves Clentac make made. You know, on Friday to get the three three new guys uh, out of the bullpen. But you know, I I don't know this team. It's like I, who knows? Like, like they could go on a five game win streak. Sure. I mean, I, to your point, Andrew. Yeah, they're, they're averaging five point three five runs per game, right? So they're they're getting five runs a game, and they can't win. Like that's that's horrendous. Like this team, I, the pitching is so bad. It's it, it's, I mean, it's so laughable. The, I, what's the ERA now for the for the bullpen? It's like eight something, right? I think eight point three three. I read it's the worst ERA for a bullpen. I think 
since like the 30s or something like that. It's like so, 1931 when the Phillies did it before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's just, I mean, I, 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 it's so hard to watch. And what a shame, too, because you got Harper, who's putting up MVP numbers right now. You, oh, know, you can he, ask anything he, more of him. He, he's literally on an Still MVP, king. M, MVP type year. Um, JT is, I don't know if he's still up there uh, in leading the league in home runs, but he was, he was, you know, in the top five, which is from your catcher, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I know everyone's ripping on Reese cause he's not hitting the ball well, but he gets on bait. Like the offense is doing exactly what you want them to do. Reese gets on base. Harper hits him in JT hits a home run. And it's like the Phillies are up three, nothing. And then the bullpen comes in. That's gone. Phillies lose five, four. I mean, like that's yeah. like every night. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, going off your point real quick, I, I uh, sorry, Zach. I read um, Reese Hoskins has scored on six of the seven Bryce Harper home runs this year. That's just unbelievable. And you know what? Like, I, like I said, everyone's ripping on him for like not being able to hit right now. But I don't care, man. Get on base and just you know, I, Moneyball baby. The, it, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. There's a lot of aspects of Moneyball that I absolutely love. Uh, because it's you know you know one of the greatest sports movies of all time. Uh, but but you know, I I I I don't disagree with the aspect that first of all, Reese is hitting second in your lineup, so his job is to get on base. I mean, he if it's a is it whether it's a walk or a hit? Do I care, Zach? Do I care? You do not. I do not. No. Well, no. <laughs> and then and, and then you got my my point is because then you got Harper coming up right away and he's been hitting the ball unbelievably and JT's been a great power hitter so uh, bat and cleanup so I mean like this team offensively is designed perfectly in it's my amazing opinion. it really it is. really like, is like, like the, it, the 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 offense of the Phillies is fun to watch it's it really like, is it's, it's so it's exciting. so weird it's so exciting uh, it, and it's then, such and an exciting team to watch it's it, like when you get the sixth or seventh inning and you it's like all right, so this is when we screw up, right? Like, this is it. This is the moment. <laughs> like, and it just every, it's every time. And yeah, yeah. It, it, is, it is horrible. And and I, again, I'm a big Bryce Harper fan. And I got to just assume that guy is trying to get out of Philadelphia the moment JT is officially not here. Like, Whoa, hot take. Let's, it, 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 we didn't <laughs> say he's trying to get out of Philly. And I, I, okay, I'm saying it. I, dude, like, this... It's, I, it's all the points that we have shown. Like, it doesn't matter how good they are if they can't hold a win. Like, uh, it really doesn't. So, and, and so, so Andrew, I feel like this, the only thing that gives the players, um, not support, but uh, uh, confidence in this team is if Klintak is fired. And do you really think that's going to happen? No, I think uh, Clintac's job's safe for another year. I think the pandemic and everything, or yeah, all that has given him another year. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, so right, right now the, Phil, the the Phillies organization is in such a bad situation where you had, you had uh, what's that man Gabe Kapler here, and Kapler was obviously a scapegoat for Clintac, mm-hmm. and now Clintac's a scapegoat for Middleton. This isn't just a GM to manager thing. This is going all the way up to John Milton, and he's been doing it for a while, and it's time to start calling him out on it because you're not going to win unless you make uh, adjustments, and the, the organization isn't making those adjustments, and you saw it in these trade, in the trades you, you just had on Friday. This team will not do what it takes to pay a little bit extra money to go over the luxury tax like every winning team does, um, and it's really starting to be the backbone of this organization. I mean – you, you you have it where that that's the reason why you're not signing top relievers in the offseason. That's why they haven't re-signed JT. And in this trade yesterday, they added a guy or on Friday. They added a guy into the trade so the the Red Sox could eat money, just so we would prevent us from going over the luxury tax. And you gave up a decent prospect in that sense. Where if you're willing to just pay a little bit of an extra money, you'd keep that prospect in that back end. And and again, th- this move th- these moves aren't. Like end of the world, fantastic moves that are going to fix this team. Uh, these moves are better than what you have now, and you hope it can improve your team. Um, it's funny that the difference here is Joe Girardi is a very similar manager to Gabe Kapler. The difference, the difference to what happened was Gabe Kapler never had the resume to call out the front office, and that's what you saw Joe Girardi do in his press conference Thursday, which I thought was hilarious. I don't know if you guys even heard that. 
but but Girardi flat out called out the 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 G or Klimtak and everything, and uh, the next day, what happens? A trade, and the difference is Girardi had the resume to do that because obviously he's a World Series title and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, Angie, you you and I, I mean, we both know we were we were Gabe guys, so you know, I <laughs> I, I never understand. You know, I I I agree with all your points. You know, I think Joe's a very similar manager. Um, you know, Klintak needs to do better. I, I I will say I'm not ready to. I, I don't know. I I like John Middleton as a guy. I mean, he he seems to love the team. Like he, he loves the Phil- he loves the Phillies. Like I don't know. Like it, it he went he did so much to get Bryce. That I mean that it's just such a shame that it's gone so downhill from that because everyone was in love with John Middleton as soon as he got Bryce Harper. I mean he was the he was the talk of the town. You know, and and, and I agree with you. You know, it's time that they go over that luxury tax and everything. Um, but I disagree with you when you say every winning club does it to win. I mean, like, the Rays are contending for a World Series this year. They're definitely not over the luxury tax. The A's contend still, and they don't go over the luxury tax. Now, I know those are small market teams playing small market money ball. But, like, <laughs> but, but, but my point is, like, like that's to me. It is, can be done. That's not. But, yeah. Like, my, like, like, not, like, like we could have went out and got a, a relief pitching this offseason, stayed under the luxury tax, and still contended like like we don't you don't have to go out and sign a role as chapman you just got to go out and get not every name on our current rosters it's, it's yeah i mean my, like, my literally ca- just ca- have the worst of the worst yeah my counter to that is what what have they done they haven't done anything once they get to the playoffs like the a's and rays yeah they make it to the playoffs but they both have zero world series titles like in our my, lifetime my counter to that is aren't the A's your pick this year to go to the World Series? To go and lose, yes. But my my, my point. But first off, we gotta see if they get there. I mean, a prediction is a prediction. We all we, we all know that a prediction only does so much. Yeah. For all yeah. we know, A's can miss the playoffs. Um. But my my, my point is like, it, and if we were in a small market town, I guess you can say that. But you you have the luxury of being in a bigger market. Take advantage of it. Like you. You have an advantage to, to have the luxury of being in a bigger market, to have the extra money. You have an owner who has a ton of money who can go out and sign it. And the di- other difference is when your owner sits up in front of the podium and says, we're going to spend stupid money and then doesn't back it up after saying it, then he also has the right to be criticized a little bit. And, and that that's where if, if you're going to put if you're going to put out the big words, back it up. Um don't get me wrong. I like Middleton too. I mean, I got to put meet that. Us. Put that on a shirt. That'll be our first shirt. If you're gonna put out the big words, <laughs> back it up. <laughs> I like it. We'll Real it quick, Andrew, not to cut you off, but I know we're we're under the under the clock here, uh, up against the clock rather. Uh, I misused that <laughs> phrase. Um, Andrew, should the Phillies uh, be uh, putting uh, Phil Goslin into their starting lineup? Go. Yeah. Yes. Outside of when they outside of when they DHJT to keep his bat in the lineup. I get it not having Phil Gosselin in it then. Outside of that, I would like to see, especially with your other DHJ, Bruce, going down, um, I'd like to see his bat in the lineup every day for, for a while, until until the streak runs down, obviously. So now, closing up with the Philadelphia Eagles, un- believe it or not, still scheduled to start the season in three weeks today. Uh, first game going up against the Washington football team. Um, I... I- I still, part of me, is just, like, questioning if that happens. But that aside, something I wanted to bring up personally, I'm sure everyone's got something to talk about with the Eagles. Um, but something I saw on ESPN this morning was that the Eagles are only a 44% chance or a 44% favored for the NFC East title. And, like, that seemed pretty bad to me. Like, isn't it just us and the Cowboys? Like, do we expect anything from the Washington football team or the Giants? Like, nope. like, so, so you're telling me that we're that low against the Cowboys? No, I would say it's more how close the Eagles and Cowboys are. Like, I don't know if you did you see what the Cowboys were? Because, like, I could see no. it being, I could see it say it being the Eagles forty four percent, the Cowboys forty percent, and then you just give the Redskins or whatever rest of it. Like, so to me. Got a point. I think I think it shows how close the Eagles and Cowboys rosters are, 
which we talked about after the draft on how close they were to it, and it's really up for grabs. I mean, I, I mean, I think there's no clear-cut winner between the Eagles or Cowboys. I mean, yeah, you can pick your favorite, but I think it's going to be a game or two within the division. So I think, to me, depending on what the other percentages were, it's more of how close those two teams are. Yeah, I agree. That That's what it sounds like to me. Because I, I doubt I in a shut report. Up, shut I, up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I doubt in a report like that. They're not going to give the the, uh, the Washingtons or or the uh, – or, or, uh, uh, sorry. They're not going to give uh, Washington and the other team a zero. They're not going to get – and the Giants. They're not going to give the two of them a 0% chance. I, I Be like, hey, give them two. They got a 2% shot. You know, so that's – that'll add up. I think I think the Eagles and Cowboys are pretty even on whether or not who wins the division. You know, I I, I think it's literally even. Like, like to me, talent-wise, I lean Cowboys. But experience-wise, I lean Eagles. So Andrew was about to get for his drink, and as soon as I said talent wise, I feel like Cowboys. He was, it's like, did you see that? He's like, he's like, mm. no, I pointed <laughs> at you because like, I, I can't stop now. I, I gotta get ready. I pointed at you because I agree with you. I think the experience is gonna be a big thing, and the fact that the Eagles have the are the only team with the re- a returning coach in a year where training camp, mini camp, and all the weird workouts this offseason, I think that's gonna play a big factor in and why you might see the Eagles get off to a fast start compared to the other teams in the division. So, no, I was trying to agree with you on the experience. Can we point out how great that is considering Doug got corona? Like, I, I don't know about anyone else, but as soon as I heard that he was back, it was just like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I, I, the funny part is uh, the funny part is he didn't miss one workout. Like, they, he, 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 he was asymptomatic, so they had him on, like, a video screen the whole time, and he was basically coaching from wherever he was being quarantined. That's awesome. He, he, wasn't, he was asymptomatic, they said, so he, he was willing to do that. It's so funny. I definitely don't, uh, I, I, like, I don't know. Going into the season, Doug's definitely the least of my worries, and uh, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm excited for more football, man. I just hope it works out. Like I, I really want that Eagles football. I, I feel like we keep getting closer and closer to another ring, which is just a great thing to think about. Yeah, I, 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 I cannot believe that football is starting in less than a month. I think 20, 20, 21 days or something like that. I mean, and football starts. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Know. So yeah. like we'd be we'd be looking at uh, preseason games right now, which is it's that's wild to me. I mean, right. I feel like especially with hockey still going on. <laughs> I think that's, that's what's possible. taken away a little bit yeah. with NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs being so late. I agree. You know, it's really, I mean, there's like no Eagles talk going on, you know, right now around the, the city. It seems like, you know, there's really not much. Even before coming on, we were like, what's there to say about the Eagles? I mean, normally we'd be like, the only thing to talk about is the Eagles because the Phillies are throwing in the towel <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, you know, the Flyers just missed a playoff and the Sixers just lost in six to the Raptors or whatever, or seven to the Raptors. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> it's, it, now it's like you know we're, there's a lot going on we're excited about the flyers and and you know football's kind of on hold right now but but i am ecstatic that it's it, that's back. the thing though it's not it it's, will, it's, it's, it will it's, immediately take over my life as soon as it's it exactly it's not a lack of excitement it's just there's so much other stuff going on even even the the gripes with the phillies it's just like it, the fact that it's all aligning together it's like that's what you're thinking about that's what's on your mind you know um yeah, it's a weird time. It's kind of like uh, it's been nice having both basketball and hockey. Like, really, really, it's a weird time. I thought you know, <laughs> I thought it was pretty normal. No, but it's like it's it's it, this obvious weird time. It it's kind of it's kind of neat. Like obviously things aren't great, but like it's kind of cool having so many options in sports. Like having this variety. It's like going to a movie theater and having and you can pick any movie you want. Right, you can watch any sport you want right now. Yeah, I've loved this time. Like it's uh, obviously sports time. Um, since since the restart with these day games, it's like basically the March Madness, like just with professional sports. Right. Like I, I've been watching sports at work, and it's just it's been it's been on it's been on the screen. It's like so much. It's just it's, it's great. It's great. I've to been be ignoring to... my work responsibilities and watching nonstop sports. It's been great. It's been great for my work ethic. It's called multi- it's called multitasking. Um, multitasking. But, but no, like. I don't like when the Flyers or the Flyers were playing it today because that that's harder to watch. Because again, it's not like I'm watching it the whole like from drop of the puck to the end of the game, but like just to have it on there in the background is just nice. So, uh, but no, it's been like a March Madness. It's been, it's almost been like March Madness for professional sports. It's been pretty cool. 
All right. Anything to say before we close up the pod? Uh, Nick and Andrew, you guys want to give us your last thoughts on what's, uh, I don't know, I guess Flyers, Eagles, whatever you want. Or just screw the six, like whatever you got. I'd say uh, by this time next week when we do this, the hopefully, I think, what, we four games in? Flyers probably up 3-1 in the series. I, I agree with Nick, six games for the win. I think Brett Brown might be gone by, by next Sunday. So we might have something else to talk about. What? All right, real quick before Nick jumps in, Andrew, what day specifically do you think he gets fired? Like, let's make this a bet. What day is he getting fired? Brett Brown? Yeah. I'll say Tuesday. I think they'll. I, I think they get kicked out of the bubble now that they got knocked out. So t- uh, travel Monday will be the uh, closure of the meetings. So it'll either be late tomorrow or early morning Tuesday. Okay. I think Brett Brown will be returning next season. Oh, no, oh. you're not. How are you bring that up in the closing statement? <laughs> right. Of the episode? I, Let's just say just throwing it out there. I, the I just closing I, statement, I, and you're going to say Brett Brown is returning. I mean, you have Ben Simmons out. I mean, he's got he's got excuses. He's got you know Simmons is out. So I mean, like I said, I didn't expect them to win the series, regardless. But the sweep is one thing too. You know, I, I don't know. So I I wouldn't be surprised at all if Brett Brown's back next year. And I. Andrew, yes, Flyers and six could be five. I that I hate that. I cannot believe you just did that. I can't, I'm, I'm sorry. I got nothing. I'm let's just say six. I I I'm I just I, I there's not over the past ten eight years nothing the Sixers have done has made me say yeah this team I have a lot of faith in them and they're and they're making the right decisions nothing I mean even when they drafted Embiid. No one thought it was a good move. Right. Like, he was injured. Right. And it's wor- it worked out for him now. But guess what didn't? The other four or five draft picks that they took in those drafts. Like, yeah, I, 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 tell, I, me, tell me no one's watching this game, these games, and going, yeah, the Sixers could have drafted Tatum. Every time. I was literally about to say that. Literally about like, to say. Like, every single time. Whenever they play the Celtics, you're just like, could have had him. Could have had him. And, like, like, the Celtics knew. The Celtics are like we're we're taking Tatum regardless. Okay. So that's a whole other argument. That Andrew, I know you you and no, Luke no 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 cut all, all, that no, you know. all, all I'm saying is you can't predict injuries at the time of the trade. At the time of the trade, every reporter, every person backed up that trade because Fultz would have been the perfect fit if he didn't get hurt. You you can't predict injuries. I can't fault them for that trade. Would it be nice to have Tatum? Obviously, you're, you're saying. You're saying that if he didn't have an injury, that uh, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Fultz. That Marco Fultz. That Fultz would have been worked out. He would have been fine. Yes. And so it was all mental, dude. He he just didn't have he just didn't have what it took to to be an NBA star. Like he did, he uh, was too young. If he would have stayed in college a little longer, he might have been able to have it. But he just he just didn't have what it, what it took to come right out of a college, right out of year one like that. He was too young. I just All don't, right. and I think the Celtics saw that, and I think that's why that they took Tatum, they wanted Tatum, and it panned out for them big time. That's all I'm saying. All right, we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to Philly Sports Now podcast. Uh, you can find us online at phillysportsnow.com, where we have Philadelphia sports updates. You can follow our Twitter at Philly underscore Sports Now. That's at Philly underscore SPRTS Now. That's sports without the O, folks. Um, Thank you once again so much for listening. <laughs> gotta gotta give it again. Goodbye to the Sixers. Can't believe we waited for through quarantine for that finish. Uh, looking forward to some offseason drama, obviously. And uh, lastly and most importantly, let's go Flyers. Let's go Flyers. <laughs> <laughs>